This message comes from NPR sponsor Subaru, celebrating the Subaru Share the Love event now through January 2nd. By year's end, Subaru and its retailers will have donated over $285 million to charity. Visit Subaru.com share. We've mentioned a lot of numbers over the past few episodes. 27,000 interviews on the mobile tour, 17,000 interviews in just one day when we released the app. But StoryCorps doesn't just care about numbers. Because who records interviews is just as important as how many we collect. If we're building an archive of American voices, we need to make sure that the archive reflects who actually lives here in the U.S. So while StoryCorps is open to anyone who wants to do an interview, we've worked hard to make sure that stories and voices that don't often get included in the historical record are captured in the StoryCorps archive. We call these efforts initiatives. You've heard about one already, StoryCorps Griot. There's been quite a lot like Historias, or Military Voices. Our 9-11 initiative. We did one for people with memory loss. And another inviting immigrants to record. But on this episode, we're going to focus on just one of the many that we've done, our collection of LGBTQ voices called StoryCorps Out Loud. To be in the service for my country is the greatest thing I thought I did. But I was kicked out for being homosexual. When I first came out, they didn't have the words that they have today. So attempting to tell your extraordinarily loving blue-collar parents that you were transgender was tantamount to telling them I was from Jupiter. We got married at the veterans' home, and we said, if you came to see the bride, you're out of luck. Do you remember that? Yes, of course. I'm Michael Garofalo. And I'm Jasmine Morris. From NPR, this is StoryCorps Then and Now, celebrating 20 years of StoryCorps. So we thought if we're telling the story of StoryCorps this season, recording and sharing stories from LGBTQ folks has always been a part of that work. And so... Why is that built into your fabric as a documentary radio producer and the founder of StoryCorps? It's always been an issue that's, you know, close to my heart. I'm the proud son of a gay dad. That's Dave Isay. Jasmine recently sat down with him to talk about the origins of Out Loud. My dad was named Richard Isay, and he was a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. For many years, he saw only gay patients and was kind of a revolutionary in the psychoanalytic world in saying that homosexuality was not a disease and advocating in the work he did for helping LGBTQ folks find love. So that was his mission in life. I accidentally discovered he was gay when I was 21 and our nuclear family exploded. Despite, you know, many hints and clues, I was taken completely by surprise and I was really unhappy about a lot of things uh, and confused about a lot of things. And I withdrew from my dad for a while. And it was about that time that I started making radio documentaries. At some point after my dad came out, he did tell me the story of the Stonewall riots, which I knew nothing about. And it was just a year or two later that I made my first radio documentary and I decided to make it on Stonewall. It was the first oral history of people who had been at Stonewall, believe it or not. I remember on that night, when we saw the riot police, all of us dragons, we linked arms, like the Rockettes, and sang the song we used to sing. We are the village girls, we wear our hair and curls. 
We wear our dungarees above our nelly knees. And the police went crazy hearing that, and they just immediately rushed us. He gave one kick and fled. A lot of these folks had never been interviewed before about what had happened on that day. And I was very interested in what life was like before Stonewall. Sylvia Rivera, who's kind of known as the Rosa Parks of the Stonewall movement, became one of my best friends and was the centerpiece of this uh, radio documentary, which was named Remembering Stonewall, and I dedicated to my dad. The era before Stonewall was a hard era. There was always the gay bashings on the drag queens by heterosexual men, women, and the police. We learned to live with it because it was part of the lifestyle at that time, I guess. But none of us were very happy about it. In some ways, was that you trying to figure out this time in your life where there was a secret, like life before your dad coming out? Yeah, I was very interested to understand what he had gone through. And, you know, once he came out, I had found out things like, you know, he had been entrapped in a restroom and he had to beg the cops not to put his name in the paper and, you know, destroy his life. And he had been a rising star in the world of psychoanalysts. And that star was completely extinguished the minute he came out. He was shunned and, you know, refused positions. And he was very moved by the fact that I had made this documentary. And, you know, it was me making an effort to understand him. And um, that was the beginning of our rebuilding our relationship with each other. Many, many, many years after that, I started StoryCorps. And I guess you could say that there was you know, something about not being crazy about secrets in our lives that was part of the motivation behind starting StoryCorps, giving people the the chance to say the important things to the people who are most important to us. And that included Dave. Here he is talking with his dad in 2004. What truly was the happiest moment of your life? I think I am happier now than I've ever been in my life. So it's, um, the happiness is a continuing process. How do you want to be remembered? Where am I going? <laughs> I don't think much about that. You think about dying? All the time. Are you scared of dying? No, I think about not having good times with Gordon anymore. It's, it's more an absence of that. What do you think is the most important thing that you've accomplished in your life? What are you proudest of? I'm very proud of you kids. I am uh, very proud of the work I've done. And I am proud of being able to turn my life around and make it into a a happy and uh, good one. Were you unhappy when I was a kid? No, I think I was uh, happy when you were a kid. And I was a good father, and I loved having kids. You think I was a good father? I think you were a good father. You're still a good father. My dad got sick in 2012. On a Friday, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he died the next week. And he actually died on the anniversary of Stonewall on June 28, 2012. At the memorial service, I announced that in honor of my dad, we would be recording stories of people who were alive before Stonewall. And that's where it all began. 
And then you know how I am. Yeah. You know, I'm like a dog with a piece of steak, you know. After my dad died, there was no way that this thing wasn't going to get done if it killed me. And, you know, that's the way I, I guess, that I deal with, you know, grief or, or any issues is that I just stay focused on StoryCorps and get something new done. I decided, you know, come hell or high water, we were going to do this program, which we named Out Loud. It launched in June 2014. LGBTQ people from all walks of life came in to tell stories of love, loss, resiliency, and creativity, and family. So in keeping with Dave's story, we're spending this episode hearing conversations about family. This first one is set in a small farming town in Washington state, where Patrick Haggerty was growing up in the 1950s. At StoryCorps, he told his daughter Robin about something that happened in high school. There was an assembly that day, and Patrick was going to perform. I'm riding to school with my oldest brother, and on the way to school, I'm putting glitter all over my face. And my brother said, what in the hell are you doing? I said, I'm putting on my costume. He said, well, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that. So he dropped me off at the school, and he called my dad up, and he said, Dad, I think you better get up there. This is not going to look good. So my dad drove up to the high school, and he had his farmer jeans on, and they had cow crap on them, and he had his clodhopper boots on. And when I saw him coming, I ducked around the hall and hid from him. And it wasn't because of what I was wearing. <laughs> it was because of what he was wearing. So the assembly goes well, and I climb in the car, and I'm riding home with my father. And my father says to me, uh, I was walking down the hall this morning and I saw a kid that looked a lot like you ducking around the hall to avoid his dad, but I know it wasn't you because you would never do that to your dad. And I squirmed in my seat and I finally busted out and I said, well, dad, did you have to wear your cow crap jeans to my assembly? And he said, look, everybody knows I'm a dairy farmer. This is who I am. And he looked me square in the eye. And then he said, now, how about you when you're a full grown man? who are you going to go out with at night? And I said, I don't know. And he said, I think you do know. And it's not going to be that McLaughlin girl that's been making goo-goo eyes at you, but you won't even pick up the damn telephone. And I'm going to tell you something today, and you might not know what to think of it now, but you're going to remember when you're an adult, don't sneak. Because if you sneak like you did today, it means you think you're doing the wrong thing. And if you run around and spend in your whole life thinking that you're doing the wrong thing, then you'll ruin your immortal soul. And out of all the things a father in 1959 could have told his gay son, my father tells me to be proud of myself and not sneak. My reaction at the time was to get out in the hayfield and pretend like I was as much of a man as I could be. And I remember flipping 50-pound bales three feet up into the air going, I'm not a queer. What's he talking about? <laughs> but he knew where I was headed. And he, he knew that making me feel bad about it in any way was the wrong thing to do. I had the patron saint of dads for sissies. And no, I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now. Patrick Haggerty remembering his father, Charles Edward Haggerty. Patrick was the founder of Lavender Country, which he called the world's first openly gay country band. He died in 2022. 
how have you seen things change in the way that we talk about and the way we tell stories from the LGBTQ community? I remember when I did the Stonewall documentary, I, I was trying to get uh, newspapers to cover it. And I called the major newspaper in New York and said, you know, we have this documentary, the first oral history of Stonewall. Would you like to do a story about it? And they said, we don't do stories about those kinds of people. I like to think that at StoryCorps, we just, you know, whisper truths in people's ears. And what we try and do is find stories that haven't been told before that creep up behind you and and help you see yourself and someone who you might have thought was very different than you. And I think we've done that from the first days of StoryCorps. So I think, you know, nothing's changed. We just do our best to, you know, help be the vehicle through which people can have their stories told to the world. More of those stories coming after the break. Stay with us. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Dignity Memorial. When we think about the people we love, it's not the big things we miss the most. It's the details. What memories will your loved ones cherish when you're gone? With Dignity Memorial, you can pre-plan your celebration of life now to protect your loved ones because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Planning truly is one of the best gifts you can give your family. For additional information, visit DignityMemorial.com. Welcome back. We're listening to conversations from StoryCorps Out Loud, our initiative to collect and preserve the stories of LGBTQ people across the country. MJ Seidy fell in love in the early 1990s. Her partner had already been married and raised children, even grandchildren. Which meant that MJ suddenly became a grandma too. And here she is with her 12-year-old granddaughter, Jenna Elprin. How has your life been different than what you thought it was going to be? I thought that my life was probably not one that was going to be worth living. There was this hole that I had all of my life because I never thought I'd be able to walk along the beach and hold somebody's hand because I'm gay. But, you know, when I fell in love with my mommy, I knew that she was my soulmate. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. I'd never felt that way about anyone before. And... um after she had gotten her divorce from Grandpa Jim, she was very upfront with your mom. She told your mom she was in love, and it was with a woman. And that was the first time that anyone was proud to say that they loved me. That made me the happiest I'd ever been in my life. And then, when I got to know your mom and Uncle Justin, I knew that I had hit paradise because I now have a family that I can wrap my arms around. Is there anything that you've never told me that you want to tell me now? You know, you and I talk about most things, but this is the first time that we've ever talked about the fact that I'm gay. And I guess what I want to ask you is, does it embarrass you to have a gay grandma? No. No. It doesn't really matter because it just matters my relationship with you. I always tell you how much I love you. 
but I don't know that you can really understand the depth of it because you're someone that I never thought would be in my life, and I can't imagine my life without you. You have always been a child that makes up her own mind, and I am so, so proud of you. Well, um, you're one of my favorite grandmas. You do, like, a lot of things with me, like ride roller coasters and <laughs> play poker. <laughs> I don't know what life would be like without you here. Uh, I love you, sweetheart. Love you, too. Outloud was started to preserve the stories of the pre-Stonewall generation while we still could. But as it's continued, it's also documented several other generations, including the youngest one. Gabe Lopez always knew he was a boy, even though his birth certificate said otherwise. When he was eight years old, Gabe came to StoryCorps in Arizona, where he lives, with his mom, Chris. They talked about how a weekend at camp for transgender kids transformed his life. Do you remember when things really changed for you? We went to a camp, and I met three best friends, Luke, Brock, and Cooper. They were all transgender like me, so they all wanted to be boys. Brock taught me how to pee standing up. (laughs) And that was huge for you, right? Yeah. That's why I said we're bros. We know each other. It was pretty cool to see you guys together. Yeah. Do you ever get scared about what it's going to be like to grow up transgender? I've been wondering if when I'm older, a lot of people will try to hurt me or something. Like if they find out that you were born a girl and they have a problem with it? Mm -hmm. You think that they might try to hurt you in some way? Yeah. Were you ever worried about telling me that you were transgender? Yes. Did you ever try to tell me and then change your mind? Mm-hmm. How many times do you think? I think like four times. Four times. I was worried that you liked me as a girl. Because we used to have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Do we still have fun? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter if you're a boy or a girl, right? Yeah. I didn't know that you were dealing with that on your own. If I'd known, I would have tried a little bit harder to have that conversation with you and maybe start it myself. Um, Do you worry about me? I worry about how other people might treat you. And it makes me upset to think about what you might have to go through. You amaze me every day. You can tell me anything, anytime, anywhere, and it won't change how much I love you. I'll always have your back. Thank you, Mom. That conversation was recorded on our mobile tour in 2015. Just this year, Gabe, who is now 16 years old, came back for another conversation, this time with his dad, Julio. Did you ever feel jealous that it was my friends who taught me how to pee standing up? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. 
But I was like, that takes some talent to be able to do that. <laughs> when I first talked to you guys about how I felt, I was young, obviously, but I didn't know the consequences that people can have for coming out to their parents. We always thought it was just kind of a phase, and we told you that, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that to you because it happened with my sister. You know, my sister was a very tomboyish, hanging out with the boys. But I noticed something different in you. So when you came out to us, it caught us by surprise, but it wasn't a big surprise. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was really happy that you guys were super supportive because I know that not many kids get that. We've always loved you, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like one of the pictures that I cherish, you were in a dress holding a, a toy gun and your Hulk shoes. <laughs> and I mean, even though that time was still kind of difficult for you. I saw who Gabe was and who he was going to become in the future. I'm always going to be able to cherish that. How would you describe yourself today? I'm really trying to up my art game so I can be a tattoo artist. I bought you a tattoo gun Mm -hmm. and then told you I can be your test dummy if you want Mm -hmm. to do that. And I love it because... For your first tattoo on a person, they came out really good. What kind of man do you want to be? The kind of man that can help others see like different viewpoints. And not specifically that they have to agree with that side, but they acknowledge that it's there. What are your hopes for me? I want you to be happy. When I leave here, I want you to be okay. That's all I'm wanting for you. I don't think we have any idea what these stories, what this kind of collection of the wisdom of humanity is going to mean a hundred years from now. But it's a way to pass wisdom from one generation to the next. And it shows the best in us. And that's one of those, you know, those lessons of StoryCorps. It just reminds us of the fundamental goodness of humanity. And we have to trust in that, especially when we go through rough times like we're going through today. But, you know, that's a lesson going back to Stonewall and, and Sylvia Rivera and, you know, the heroes who fought on that night that you just can't give up. And I do believe that good wins in the end. This episode was produced by Judd Esty Kendall and Jasmine Morris with Max Young-Rice, Von Diaz, and Kayla Lattimore. Our technical director is Jarrett Floyd. Artwork for this episode was created by Liz McCarty. Special thanks to Katie Simon and Nadia Raymond. For more on StoryCorps' initiatives and to hear the rest of Dave Isay's documentary, Remembering Stonewall, go to our website, storycorps.org. While you're there, find out how to record your own conversation. I'm Michael Garofalo. And I'm Jasmine Morris. Thanks for listening. Support for this podcast comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting a private corporation funded by the American people.